Welcome, it's indisputable, I'm your host, Rashad Ritchie. Good to be with you, we got a lot on the agenda, breaking down news of the day. Got Wozniak, Rebel HQ contributor, host of Woke Bros, writer at The Ringer. Also in the bullpen, my debate segment, we have Mr. David Grasso. David Grasso is back, host of Follow the Prophet with David Grasso. We're gonna talk about and examine and examine the testimony of Marjorie Taylor Greene under oath. Top story of the day, Marjorie Taylor Greene suffers from a disease known as CRS. Can't remember, here it is. Are you telling us that in the more than a year since these events occurred, you have not become aware that one of the offices that was invaded by people who were illegally in the Capitol was Nancy Pelosi's office? I've seen that on the news. Okay. But and I don't know for sure. Did, did you discuss with anybody attending the wild protest demonstration that was planned for January 6th? I do not recall ever talking about attending. Other than people um, on your congressional staff or your campaign staff, list for me all the people who you spoke to about the demonstrations on January 6th. That was, I, I'm sorry, I have no idea. Okay, you, you don't remember any of them? I do not remember. Not any of them? No. Okay, and you spoke to some people about those demonstrations prior to being sworn in as a representative from the 14th District, right? I, I don't remember. And you spoke to some of those people after you took the oath on January 3rd and before the 6th, right? I don't remember. Um, did you speak to anybody in government about the fact that there were going to be demonstrations in Washington on January 6th? I don't remember. We were mostly reading information about election fraud and people signed uh, affidavits about what they'd witnessed with voter fraud and preparing to object. That was pretty much all I remember doing. Right, pr pretty much. But your testimony as you sit here today under oath is that you didn't talk to anybody in government about the fact that there were going to be large protests in Washington on January 6th. I don't remember. Oh, it doesn't stop there. Now, I have more video, but why is she under oath? She's under oath because citizens are doing what the Department of Justice does not have the guts to do. And that is to enforce the United States Constitution against members of Congress who provided comfort and aid to insurrectionists. Article 14, section three of the US Constitution says that anyone who has engaged in an oath to serve in political office, i.e. Congress. If they are engaged or become engaged in an insurrection or provide aid and comfort to those who are, then they are no longer qualified to hold that office. The last time we utilized that provision of the United States Constitution was in 1919. Because a member of Congress, according to the congressional record, provided aid and comfort to Germany. They called him a socialist and utilized that same provision of the US Constitution. It wasn't because of any insurrection, but they said he provided aid and comfort to those who did engage in insurrectionist behavior. There's more. You spoke to Representative Biggs or his staff about that fact, didn't you? I do not remember. 
How about Representative Gosar? I'm sorry, I don't remember. Did you talk to people at the White House about the fact that there were going to be large demonstrations in, on January 6th in Washington? I don't remember. Prior to January 6th, Representative Green, did anyone ever mention to you the possibility that there might be violence in Washington on January 6th, 2021? I don't remember. The only violence I've ever seen was Antifa and BLM riots, and I've been to so many Trump rallies, have never once seen violence out of Trump people. Right. I don't recall any talk of violence. And you knew that the people who were coming for the demonstrations on January 6th, those were Trump people, right? I knew there were many people coming to support President Trump and our objection on January 6th. Right, and at least some of them were coming because you asked them to come, right? I didn't personally, I don't recall personally asking people to come, but evidently I tweeted about uh, January 6th. Ms. Green, did you ever hear that from any source prior to January 6th that some folks were planning to come to Washington on January 6th? And the idea was that they were going to flood the Capitol with people. No, I, d I don't remember ever hearing that. Okay. Um, you never discussed that with anybody? <laughs> no, I do not remember that. Okay, yeah, I think we've deciphered the code here. Every time she says, I do not remember, that means yes. I did it, but if I admit to doing it, then obviously uh, I can no longer serve in the US Congress because I will in fact be in violation of section 14, article three. There's actually more. Uh, she got caught lying in mid sentence basically, here it is. You've, you've said that, haven't you, Ms. Green? That she's a traitor to the country. No, I haven't said that. Okay. Well, Exhibit five, please. Which, which oh no, wait. Hold on now. Ms. Green, you've had your disagreements with Speaker Pelosi, isn't that right? I'm not sure what you mean. You've had political disagreements with her. You don't agree with some of the things she's done. In her career, right? Politically speaking, that would be correct. Right. You don't agree with a lot of things she's done, right? Politically speaking, that would be correct. Yeah. Um, and then she decides to do what we know people of her character will do throw their staff under the bus for actions that she committed. Here it is. Did you like a post that said it's quicker, that a bullet to the head would be a quicker way to remove Nancy Pelosi from the role of speaker? I have had many people manage my social media account over the years. I have no idea who liked that. Okay. Okay, and to the attorney, the next question should have been, well, madam, can you provide the name of that particular staff member? Because we need to make sure that there's an appropriate charge for terroristic threat against a sitting member of Congress. Regardless of your feeling about Nancy Pelosi, I don't have a whole lot of love for Pelosi myself, okay? Politically, nor personally. But Marjorie Taylor Greene engaged in activity that warrants her dismissal from the United States Congress. Not only Marjorie Taylor Greene, but others as well. This is an important case because it sets a precedent. A precedent that says you as a citizen have power. You are still the people in charge. Citizens brought this action 
against Marjorie Taylor Greene, cited the US Constitution. Once again, something that the Department of Justice should be doing, but they are not. Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia was confronted in court on Friday over past social media posts advocating violence against Democrats at the hearing in Atlanta to determine if Greene is constitutionally barred from running for reelection because of her alleged role in the January 6th insurrection. The Congresswoman repeatedly said she could not remember past comments or interactions. CNN's K file reported last year that prior to being elected to the US Congress, Greene had repeatedly indicated support for executing prominent Democratic politicians in 2018 and 2019 in comments and posts on social media. Now, we'll say this. The attorneys are operating, I think, in good faith on behalf of the citizens who engaged in this legal action against Marjorie Taylor Greene, and rightfully so. I said yesterday, and I stand by my statement, I would have taken a different contextualization of the constitutional section code that basically says, if you have been engaged in an insurrection or if you provided aid and comfort, I would have focused on the aid and comfort part more so than her involvement in the prerequisite activity that led to the January 6th attack. That would have been context, but my primary objective would have been to prove the aid and comfort part. And then reminded the judge that in 1919, the United States government utilized that provision, the provision of aid and comfort in order to dismiss a member of the US Congress. Wise, what are your thoughts on this? You know, that's that's kind of been the most dispiriting thing about the January 6th situation is that so many people acted so obviously malevolently and just in brutal, awful fashion. People with actual power and responsibility like, you know, Representative Green. And it seems like there's not gonna be any actual consequences or repercussions for those actions, right? People died, people got hurt. People got maimed behind this mass basically riot up there at the Capitol. And the people in our society who are put in basically the biggest positions of power, tasked with making our rules and you know delegate delegating our funds collectively, um, engaging this type of behavior. Like it, they're supposed to be held to the highest standard um, because we place so much responsibility in their hands. And to see that nothing's gonna happen. Um, is you know it's more than annoying, it's disheartening, and you know I think I'm somebody who thinks um, the actual impact of January 6 has been a bit overblown as far as like you know you kind of need the military on board to <laughs> to stage an actual coup, um, which these people clearly didn't have. Uh, however, the signal that it sends to folks that's like if you don't like how democracy works out, sometimes you can act out in violent and dangerous ways. I think that's a horrible message to be sending. You know, and I understand your point about the impact of January 6th. What concerns me, in addition to what they did, are the people who were involved. You had many members of the United States military, former military officials, you had current police officers, you had current elected officials and state government around the country who were involved. That means to me that the sentiment, the philosophy, the personality, permeates in those cultures. So the military has that personality currently in their military culture. Um, elected sheriffs, they have that personality. Police officers have that personality. And so once again, you're right as far as uh, the right now impact, but it could permeate 
and increase and enhance into something much more dangerous. And that's why the Biden administration needs to understand right now, democracy is fragile. They gotta get on it. A white male stabs a black teenager in the back multiple times. A white male teenager does this and yells racist comments, racial slurs before doing so according to the allegation. Let me take you to San Diego, California. Members of a San Diego, California community are outraged and they should be. After 16 year old white male pleaded not guilty to charges connected to an altercation that left a black girl with multiple stab wounds in her back. Authorities are considering the act a hate crime. As moments before the assault, the boy and other teens allegedly hurled racial slurs at the African American teen. All right, Uh, we have a picture of the county members who are at a town hall meeting to address this action. Um, Obviously, they were standing in unison against this heinous crime. On Thursday, April 21st, the suspect, whose name is being withheld because he is a minor, told the courts he did not stab the young lady who was also 16 years old in the back on Saturday, April 16th, in front of a group of her family members, in front of her family. Let that sink in. San Diego County Sheriff's Department said the incident happened around 11 p.m. And stemmed from an earlier altercation between different but related parties. The white teen gathered with others to approach the black teen and her relatives. That's called a mob. Lieutenant Sean Ray said, which led to a fight. During the melee, the girl was stabbed twice and the young man ran off with his associates. She was taken to the hospital to have her injuries treated. So on Monday, April 18th, the boy ends up turning himself in. The 16 year old turns himself in. His girlfriend was also arrested initially. However, she was released even though according to witnesses, she waved a weapon before the fight started, okay? She was arrested and released. The teen's defense lawyer requested that he be released to his family on home supervision and GPS monitoring. But the request was denied by Superior Court Judge Richard Monroy. Now, good for this judge because likely this 16 year old racist child learned that behavior from home, likely. There's more, because of the flagrant use of racial epithets, the special hate crime count packaged with an allegation of personal use of a deadly weapon and an allegation of personal infliction of great bodily injuries will be attached to the charges of attempted murder. Why put up the picture of the DA who decided to do this, okay? So now you have attempted murder, assault with a deadly weapon. You have the hate crime enhancers on this. If the 16 year old is found guilty, this could mean up to 17 years in prison. The district attorney is Summer Steffen, all right? DA Summer Steffen, who was elected to prosecute crimes in San Diego County is looking to see what other charges can be leveraged against other individuals involved in the attack. Now, that's how you do it, that's how you do it, all right? You send a very clear message that this kind of intolerance, this kind of racism, 
This kind of extreme violence would not be tolerated among any group. And you stand by that. Now, for whatever reason, the sheriff's office decided to make an arrest of the girlfriend and then release her. But it seems as if the DA's office, they may be reconsidering arresting even more individuals who are involved. That's called a racist mob. That's a mob. Now, granted, they got knives instead of ropes. But you have to understand the context of this. The mere fact that they're using racist language against the young black female in front of her own family and then stabbing her in the back should be all the information you need to show the racial motivation of this kind of hate. Until it is dealt with head on by actual accountability and responsibility, it will continue to manifest in all races and age groups and all cultures in the United States. These things will continue to happen. Victimization will continue to happen. Predatory behavior like you see here will continue to happen. Was thoughts on this? Obviously, I wholly agree with your sentiment here. And I think what's most important is the behavior of that district attorney by coming down hard on this. A lot of times I feel like people, they get it in their minds that when they're dealing with a perceived second class citizenry, they could behave with impunity, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are no consequences for their actions against this group of citizens because they're not, you know, they're not made whole by our system. And so seeing something like this where the actual state says, hell no, you don't get to treat our people this way. Um, and we're gonna come down on you to the fullest extent of the law. Uh, that's amazing. And I would hope that the family and the victim um, is able to get access to whatever it would take for some level of healing to begin and rehabilitation. Because this is an extremely traumatic event. Um, and I would hope that this victim man can lead a you know a, a normal prosperous life afterwards. Because this is the type of thing that derails people. That's right. We're going to continue to follow this story. Another story that we've been following, this is an update. Remember the young lady who was arrested and sentenced to six years in prison because she had the audacity to register to vote? Remember that one? And she got clearance from the government in order to register, got it in writing, and they said she tricked the government. Well, everything has now been dismissed. Let's put up a picture. Pamela Moses, Memphis, Black Lives Matter activist, chapter founder. Prosecutors have now dropped all criminal charges against this woman who was jailed over what they call a voting error. I'm going to remind you of this background. She was sentenced to six years in prison for trying to register to vote. She had already served 82 days in jail. Moses was convicted last year, was granted a new trial. In February, after the Guardian revealed files that had not been given to her defense. Now, remember the insanity of this case. She literally was a person who turned her life around. She was on probation, but when she got off of probation, her probation officer gave her a letter, gave her a document and said, you're able to vote, you're able to register. You're able to run for political office and that's exactly 
what she started to do, wanting to be a representative for the people. And that's the real reason. The real reason they came after her this way is because she was a threat to their political order. She was a threat to their business as usual. It wasn't that she simply wanted to register to vote. It wasn't because she wanted to vote. It was because she was going to seek political office and had significant support behind her. So they engaged in a conspiracy, a conspiracy that probably involved even her own defense counsel, okay? Probably. Let me give you some more. According to the Guardian, the central issue in her case was whether she had known she was ineligible to vote when a probation officer filled out and signed a form indicating that she was done with probation for a 2015 felony conviction and eligible, eligible to cast the ballot. Even though the probation officer later admitted he in fact made a mistake and Moses said she had no idea she was ineligible to vote. Prosecutor said she knew she was ineligible and had deceived the probation officer. Ms. Moses stood in the lobby of the probation officer while the officer went to his office to research her case for about an hour. He said that at trial, think about what happened here. She goes to her PO, she says, listen, I would like to vote again. I would like to run for political office, but I can't be on probation for a felony in this state and do both. He said, okay, let me look at your background. Let me review the data. Let me review the record. She waits in the lobby. He reviews, he researches, he comes back and he says, you know, your probation is actually over. And here's a signed document. You're good to go. You can vote. You can run for political office. It makes me think, I know this is getting a little bit into conspiracy territory. Was that a setup too? Makes me think, all right? There's more. The case stirred national outrage because it underscored disparities in the way black people are punished for voting errors. Several white defendants elsewhere have been sentenced to probation for impersonating family members and voting on their behalf. Now I wanna remind you, she got six years. They gave her six years and they continue to say she was aware that she was committing voter fraud. You know why they prosecuted her based on that particular sentiment? Because according to the law, you must form mens rea in order to commit voter fraud. Meaning you have to knowingly engage in a crime. You have to be aware that what you are doing is a crime. If it's a mistake, let's say you filled out an absentee ballot and you forgot and you went to vote in person. That happens a lot by the way. And if that's provable that it was simply a mistake, there's no crime because you never formed mens rea. The willingness, the consciousness to commit a criminal offense. They knew this, they were well aware. And that's why they prosecuted her and said, no, you knew it. The probation officer was wrong, but you tricked the probation officer and they convicted her on that foolishness. It has now been overturned, dismissed, all right? Let's put up a picture of the DA who did this to her. Amy Werrick, the Shelby County District Attorney prosecuted the case, okay? 
She noted the 82 days Moses had already spent in jail before the case granted a new trial was sufficient when announcing the case's dismissal, all right? So she does it, hurts her, dismisses it. In her statement, she noted that Moses is permanently barred from voting in Tennessee, one of the crimes she pleaded guilty to in 2015, tampering with evidence causes people to permanently lose their voting rights in Tennessee. During Moses' trial, the judge overseeing the case and the two probation officers said they were unaware that this uh, that was a crime that caused people to permanently lose the right to vote. Now, I did some research on this, independent research on it, and I found that it doesn't necessarily cause you to lose your right to vote. It has to be enforced at the local county level. They have a clause in their state that's a moral turpitude clause that basically says, if you've been convicted of a crime of moral turpitude, you are now banned from doing certain things with, and and you have to get an overturn of the ban, okay? That's basically what it says. However, guess what? Not evenly applied in the state. Not evenly applied in the state. There's more. Tennessee has some of the harshest policies regarding restoration of voting rights in the United States. More than one in five otherwise eligible black voters, 175,000 people, cannot vote in Tennessee because of a felony conviction, according to an estimate by the Sentencing Project, a criminal justice nonprofit organization. Now you can seek additional additional remedy to get your rights restored. Uh, they are very difficult and completely uh, uh, connected to a lot of bureaucracy. Wise thoughts on this case. You know what's crazy is that my first thought is how ironic that this happened in Shelby County, Tennessee, mm-hmm. because of Shelby County versus Holder, which is Alabama, which is when the Supreme Court, as my man Chuck Pierce said, declared the day of Jubilee. We don't need protections for voting in these states that are notorious about, you know, withholding the franchise from our black citizens. Look, it's just ridiculous. The way that we sort of frame um, criminal justice in this country, where somebody can go to prison, come out, you know, pay their debt to society. Ostensibly, we allegedly believe in the rehabilitation of people who have committed crimes. And then we say, hold on, people can discriminate you for employment opportunities. Uh, we'll take your, your right to vote, you know, so we're gonna disenfranchise you as a citizen. We do all of these ridiculous things, and we, yet we say, you know, the prison system is supposed to rehabilitate people. Uh, that's just a hypocrisy right there. And then in this case, this is somebody who was doing stuff by the actual letter of the law, and this is just malicious. There's no, yeah. there's, there's no other way to put this. They attacked this woman. Uh, they tried to put her in prison for six years mm-hmm. for essentially uh, exercising her right as an American citizen. It's this is. This is um, an attack of just like uh, unbelievable proportions. Yeah, and for those who may ask in the comment section when we put this out, um, I do believe uh, individuals convicted of felonies should be able to vote. 100%. It's it's ridiculous that it's even a conversation in my opinion that they should not. I think people in prison should be able to vote. Yeah, well said. And listen, in there's one story we did, um, it was a while ago, uh, but I think it's in DC. They allow for in their local elections, they allow individuals who are incarcerated to vote. Well, guess what? The person that got elected is currently incarcerated, all right? They actually elected someone who was incarcerated. So anyway, we need more things like that to happen in this world. You don't have to worry about somebody buying him off or him being corrupt, all right? We got more, it's indisputable, stick and stay.
Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of the comments and remind you of a few things, all right? On the watch list, here's what I need you to do, all right? Listen carefully, here's what it is. Add the watch list to your watch list, that's what we need you to do. Join the big homie Gerald Jackson live weekdays, 12 p.m. Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Watch daily and follow at facebook.com forward slash watch list TYT. Watch live daily and subscribe also at youtube.com forward slash watch list TYT. Have you checked us out on podcast? Yep, Indisputable is on podcast. Go ahead and do that. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, search for Indisputable. Click, follow, and rate us with five stars. If you enjoy the programming, I would love for everyone who watches Indisputable to also have the podcast version. You never know what might happen, okay? Don't get caught slipping. All right, Colorado Blue Blazer regular. Oh, she remembers Doc. She is terrified of paying consequences, and so she will forget everything. As soon as she gets on Bannon's program, she won't be able to help or stop herself from bragging how she evaded the questions. Now, that would be golden because if she says, "Oh, I, I remember," I just didn't want to tell him I remembered. Boom, perjury. You see where I'm going with this? That would be lovely. All right, so let's just keep this between us until it happens, because it will. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel great. Back off. I said something. There's an African American man threatening my life. Those must be some serious damn candles. Yeah, this happened at a candle shop. Um, let's put up a picture of the Karen. I don't know if she's been identified. Uh, we have not independently identified this particular Karen. Uh, but according to the video that we have, um, she in fact attacked the worker, grabbed the worker's hair. Uh, and then obviously those workers are about that life. <laughs> I do not condone violence. I simply do condone self-defense. That was what we call in the protection of others, perfectly allowable under the law. All right, Karenicity runs deep. I don't see what could happen at a candle shop. What could possibly happen at a candle shop to make you physically attack a person who makes and or sells you candles? Waz, thoughts here. I, listen, man, <laughs> I, I, I just 
love the fact that the fellow employees stepped up and was there to defend their colleague the and coworker. That was that was beautiful to see. And when, when her daughter wanted to get froggy, they said, "We got we got knuckles for you too, if you need some of this." So that made me uh, very happy, honestly, because. Again, man, like you just can't behave with impunity because you, you think you walk into a store and you're entitled to just treat these employees as if they work for you or you know they're your personal slaves. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm happy that that the employees stepped in and and and, and you know it reminded me of watching WWE from back in the days. I don't know if you ever watched a Royal Rumble. That's what that looked like. It was it was a, a old fashioned Royal Rumble from back when I used to watch Jake the Snake, Shawn Michaels, you know, Bob Backlund and the such. Yeah, you tell them all yourself, Waz. All right. <laughs> yeah, but I do remember, brother. And once again, you can't go around treating individuals who are service employees, people that that really make our country run. I mean, yep. the fact that you think you can go and physically attack someone because you may be in disagreement with them. It shows your level of privilege and the way you perceive your own status and the status of those around you. That's a human being. That's 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 a person. All right. Okay. I got something for everybody. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell there's an African American man threatening my life. That's a little excessive. I'm the CEO of Pangry. I'm starving to win. What did you eat today? I ate nothing. Nothing. Karen, you're not you when you're hungry. (laughs) (laughs) This is a throwback, all right? So, but it was, it's, it's actually, it's becoming one of my favorite, all right? There was no real danger here, I don't think. She did look possessed, yes. But she was amid friends. She was with her friends in the car. And it was her friend that recorded this Karenicity moment, this moment of Karenicity. Because I think the friends, I think they want I think they want you to have an intervention, Karen. I don't think this was the first time you've done something like this. And it was time for you to make it on a segment of indisputable. Now allow this moment to be a reflection and an opportunity at correction. Wise thoughts. You ever got like this when you were hungry? Why? I'm somebody who does get very hangry when hungry. <laughs> I, I am one of those people. So I, I sympathize with this young Karen right here. And secondly, Dr. Richie, that lemon pep from Wingstop, man. man I, I understand. I understand what you're talking about. I understand. Me, me and Jordan were talking about this before the show. My producer Jordan, his favorite is uh, is the garlic parmesan, which is my second favorite. It's a, good, but it's a good wing. It's a good wing, right? But it has nothing on the lemon pepper, all flats extra crispy. Oh my goodness. Come on, bro. Flats. I, I don't understand all these people with the drumettes. I just doesn't hate make the flats. sense. And the thing about Wingstop is the next day, it's still tasty. So awesome. even if you, you go out overboard and say, I'm gonna get like 24 wings, even though I'll probably only need about 10 or 11. The next day, you warm it up, it's still good to go. Uh, I understand yeah. when, when you can't get your hands on lemon pep and you're starving. I can understand that reaction, Doc. All right, so 
we're gonna give this Karen a pass then. All right, <laughs> yes. we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Okay, let me read some of these comments. Got a lot of them, we'll read as many as I can. Imploded Brainy says, new name, Blood Bath and Body Works. <laughs> Craig Cray play. I want my damn wangs. Yeah, Effectos, I need a new I need a new amusement park ride. Great moments of Karenicity. That would work, by the way. Yeah. All right, uh, Spectre 365 STK, teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, it does. All right, very sad story, okay? There's a school board president who was caught in a child sex predator sting led by citizens. Here's some of the video. You're on the school board, you're texting an 11 year old. I have never, I have never. John, this is the first time I've had a conversation with her. Yeah, I don't believe that for a second. Board. Any parent would be irate over it, John. I have a 12 year old, okay? And if you just told my 12 year old you were coming over to cuddle, that would be a little tricky. Hey. What if this man said he wanted to come cuddle with your daughter? A man that's okay meeting an 11 year old to get her in a bra and panties and make out with? You need help for that, bro. Even if this is your first time doing something like that, there's something wrong with your head to even consider that. An 11 year old? And you just said you don't think you need help. That's oh, I, terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I, me and my wife had a conversation today. We're, we're probably done because. Probably it's done. It's terrifying, I mean, it's, John. You know. That's because you've been lying to her. You hold that for a second. Yep. Yeah, he's about to get all the help he needs. All right, let's put up his picture. Is it Indiana? This damn predator, the leader of a school board. Okay, he was the president of their school board. He has now resigned after being filmed, being arrested by the police following a catch a predator sting in operation. Uh, this was in a neighboring state. This was led by citizens, led by citizens. His name is John Gray. He was with the Goshen Local School Board. According to a local news affiliate, Goshen police confirmed that they were at Gray's house. He reportedly was taken to the hospital for a psychiatric evaluation. The video was posted by predator catcher, uh, catchers Indianapolis. The group says Gray thought he was meeting an 11 year old girl, okay? He basically admitted to it. The district released a statement. Now this is gonna be interesting when I read this partial statement. They released this statement on Sunday, noting that Gray was serving his fifth term on the school board uh, and announcing the resignation. Here's the quote, to be clear, Saturday's incident occurred outside of the Goshen Local School District. That, that's their quote now. Our district leaders will be consulted with legal counsel. And should more information become available, we will communicate it to our families immediately. Due to the fact that this is an ongoing investigation, we have no other comments at this time. Superintendent Darrell Edwards. Damn shame. 
Where's the humanity in your statement to ask potential victims in your school district, in your state that trusted this monster come forward? Here's a, here's a number you can call. We have support staff ready to help any student who's been victimized by this monster who was in charge of our school board. Where's that statement? It lacks humanity, does it not? But this is the culture permeating in our K through 12 education in this country. And they want you to think that somehow critical race theory is the problem, something not even taught in K through 12. People like that, people like him, monsters, real life monsters are a problem. Now he's going to say, "Oh my goodness, I'm, I've just, I've never done such a thing. I need psychiatric counseling." He's done it before, and you know he may try to do it again, especially if his privilege allows him to get away with it. I do this as a reminder to every parent, every mentor, anyone who works with young people. There are real monsters in the world. That's why it's important. That we as mentors and parents, we keep the line of communication open with our children. Keep them open. Do not make them feel afraid to approach us about whatever conversation they need to have. Boss, any thoughts on this? Yeah, that statement is troubling because ultimately what they're saying is this incident, he potentially was trying to abuse somebody in some other school district, which is fine. Everything you said, it just misses the mark that this guy who was in a position of leadership and you know, basically around a lot of kids, a lot of young people was caught trying to do this heinous act. And like you said, this isn't the first time. And if if there wasn't a bunch of tail covering that was trying to happen, which is often what we see from bureaucratic entities. It's like as soon as a scandal happens, how quickly can we cover tail instead of just being proactive and saying, yo, let's put our students first, mm-hmm. let's cover tail later. And make sure that he wasn't able to hurt people. And you know, as I mentioned earlier, what we don't talk about with these abuse victims and these victims of violence, like this is the kind of thing that ruins somebody's life, a young person that they carry with them throughout the duration of their time here on earth. So it's important that somebody who's a potential victim can get help and begin, you know, a process of rehabilitation and healing. Put his picture up again, because I want to make this note. I I do not feel sorry for him whatsoever. I don't know who those people were talking to him. He would have had a much different conversation with me. In classic narcissism form, he started talking about his wife and that it's probably over now. He made it about him, not about him being a predator, okay? All right. You see, this guy was actually working at a center for people going through a crisis. And he decided to engage in conduct that was explicit and criminal against another minor. Let's keep his picture up. I want people to remember this face. 32 year old Tampa man 
has been arrested after he sent explicit material to a teenager after speaking to her when she called the crisis center hotline. He was working as a specialist at the damn crisis center. You gotta understand the the depth of his evil here, okay? His name is Lara Quinta Cato, right? He was arrested and booked into the Hillsborough Jail, faces charges of transmission of harmful material to a minor and unlawful use of a two-way communications device. He's being held only on a $4,000 bond, $4,000. He had been working at the crisis center for two months. Luckily, the police were able to determine it was Lara Quinta Cato as intervention specialist at the crisis center use different names to protect their privacy and confidentiality per policy. He was also a volunteer as a worship leader for the church, okay? So this guy has two positions of public trust, right? Crisis hotline worker and church, okay? He has affixed himself to have access to young people that would readily trust him. There's more. According to the Tampa Bay Times, the girl called the crisis center of Tampa Bay's 211 hotline. That was around 9.30 a.m. on March 28th and left her contact information so that a specialist could call her back, all right? Soon after that, a man called the teen and introduced himself as William in an intervention as an intervention specialist at the crisis center. They spoke for more than an hour on the recorded line, deputy said. Within an hour, he called the girl again, this time from a restricted number. He told the teen he was calling to check on her according to the release. After multiple follow-ups, he got the teen's Instagram username, okay? Followed her and started sending her direct messages. I got more, deputies say he began to send explicit photos and videos to the teen and asked the teen to send naked photos of herself to him, a request she denied. The next day at school, this young girl reported what happened to a school resource deputy. That deputy did the right thing, a subpoena to search the cell phone of this alleged predator confirmed the teen's account 100%. When he was questioned, he confessed. In a statement to the Times sent Thursday night, the crisis center said that Lara Quinta Cato had passed both his local law enforcement and level two background checks before he was hired. As soon as the crisis center confirmed the inappropriate telephonic contact, the employee was immediately terminated for violating policies. Uh, So now the crisis center is going to review their policies and procedures to make sure this doesn't happen again. But once again, let's dissect what the statement really is about. The statement is about protecting the crisis center, okay? So, So that's the primary emphasis of their statement. What about protecting those that he may have victimized during his two months under your employment? What about them? What about those individuals? What words do you have with them? What procedures have you set up for those potential victims of his predatory crimes. 
You see, when we highlight things like this and we put the emphasis on the wrong thing and we don't question it, we are allowing the rape culture to permeate. We are allowing the rape culture to continue. We have to challenge these narratives and hold organizations. It's the damn crisis center. If the crisis center won't get the release, the press release right, who will? This is simple. You hired a bad guy. Your language should be readily affixed on how many victims he may have at that center, connected to that hotline, connected to that center. Things like this boil my blood. Put his picture up again. Okay, you're looking at a person who literally went through a job application process to do exactly what he got caught doing. He just needed that opening. Damn, taking advantage of children who are in crisis. Wise thoughts. Yeah, this this brother is 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 pretty sick and demented to be honest. Um, that he would target those who have been, you know, in very adverse situations. Like it's just it's just a horrible instinct to ha- to have to see somebody who's in their weakest moment and feel like that's the exact time that you need to take advantage of them. And like you said, I would hope that the crisis center puts. Better safeguards in place and explains to the people who are coming to them for help what the normal course of action would be. And if anybody reaches out to you or anything like outside of the context of what we're doing in here is BS and you need not pay it any mind. Um, this is just horrible, but I'm happy he got caught. Yeah, all right. Okay, thank you to the live linear. We will continue streaming. Take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.